the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. This is episode 352. I'm Paul Spain. And today we're recording from Anaheim, California. And my special guest today is Eric Rosenberg. How are you, Eric? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on the show. Hey, great great to have you on. Now, um, tell me a little bit about where you fit into this world of uh, podcasting and, and technology. I mean, we are here at uh, the Podcast Movement Conference, which is the biggest podcasting conference in the world. So, um, obviously, you fit into that area. Sure. So, my background is really from finance. That's, that's where I started and got involved in the web and the whole tech world. I've always been really techy. I uh, was coding my first websites by hand in HTML and in high school when Napster was still a thing. Um, but over the years, my, you know, my career was focused on finance. I got a finance degree in college, went and worked at a bank. And when I left working in that bank to go to the, to the cubicle land of corporate America, I started a personal finance blog. That was in October 2008. And over the years, that grew until companies started noticing me. I didn't realize I was writing my new resume at the same time that I was blogging and companies started to hire me to write for them about finance topics. And that grew into uh, personal finance, entrepreneurship, technology, and travel. So my primary income is as a as a freelance writer. Uh, I actually do income reports at personalprofitability.com where I break down exactly where every dollar I make comes from going back to 2012. Uh, but I'm a, a tech enthusiast. and My podcast came out of the blog, so the same topic, personal profitability. And I'm, I'm thrilled to be part of this community. It's an amazing thing. Cool, cool. Oh well, thank you very much for uh, for joining the show. And yeah, I know you've got lots of uh, lots of work and, and background in the tech and, and the telco space um, as well there amongst what you've done. So I'm I'm looking forward to uh, hearing some of your opinions. Now, um, first up, we've got a couple of uh, new, very New Zealand related uh, things that I wanted to talk about. Um, Sky TV, who are New Zealand's um, main virtually only uh, pay TV provider I mean there are other ways of paying for TV but basically it comes back to uh, uh, Sky uh, in terms of uh, linear uh, TV unless you're uh, you're you're going with uh, the entirely free content now I've um I guess been somewhat critical of Sky in the past. It, it's it's fair to say. So when these sort of stories pop up, I tend to get a few calls from the media. Uh, when that happened yesterday, I was uh, I was on a flight and. Um, well, I was on the plane, and uh, I think the doors were probably uh, closing. I wasn't paying too much attention, and so um, I ended up uh, hanging up on uh, um, on the New Zealand Herald reporter after uh, after a couple of minutes when I noticed the plane was actually taxiing. I thought oh, I'm going to get uh, I'm going to get kicked <laughs> off the plane. You don't want to end realized. up in, you don't end up in the news for uh, the be, using thing. your phone on the plane. No, <laughs> no, not not so good. Um, although I have some opinions on whether using a phone on a plane actually um, causes any disruption. But well, anyway, that, I, that's another story. I could answer that one really quickly. I'm a private pilot, and I have texted while flying a plane. I mean, well, my co-pilot And you're generally legal, legally allowed to yeah. as well on private yeah. planes. Certainly in New Zealand, you can make calls, text, and live stream as, as I've done. So it's uh, yeah. As long as you're not physically doing the controls at the same time, it's safe to use your phone in a plane. Yes, yeah, there probably are some uh, c- c- cautionary um, comments that could be made there. Um, so back to uh, back to Sky, Sky TV. Um, so their profits are down twenty one percent, and they've lost twenty uh, twenty seven thousand eight hundred ninety seven uh, subscribers, which is a, is a is a fair chunk uh, in a market like uh, like New Zealand. Where do you sit on, um, you know, here in the US, the cord cutter seems to be the uh, the term because um, it's much more often cable connections to uh, pay TV providers than than satellite. Although you have both, and and so do we to a to a degree in some parts of the country. Um, Sky's content is delivered over cable, but uh, where do you stand on on this particular? Area. I think you you were mentioning to me earlier that uh, you're a cable cutter. Yes, yes, I'm a cord cutter myself. I cut the cord in 2011 
And I did it more for, you know, for financial reasons. Being a personal finance blogger, I thought I should follow my own advice and look for ways to save. And I was paying Comcast, which is you know, the biggest, I think the biggest cable company in the country, if, if not one of the biggest in the world. And I was paying them $70 a month for TV. Plus, I was paying for internet separately. I actually worked for a competing telecom company, so I got my internet from them. Uh, but you know, TV I was getting from Comcast, and you know, $70 a month, that adds up over time. So I actually recently added it up, but I've saved over $5,000 since I cut. And I primarily watch Netflix now. I have a, a wife and a daughter at home, and we don't feel a need for TV. We have uh, antennas, so we could potentially get some over-the-air channels, but we never use them. It's really, for us, when we want to watch, we want to watch on our schedule. I don't want to pay money to a company that will then make me watch commercials at, at the crux of it that just feels wrong to me. So you know, with Netflix or services like that, I can just push play. I use Chromecast. We have a Chromecast on all of our TVs. So I tap a button and you know, whether my daughter wants to watch you know, Sophia the Princess or I want to watch House of Cards, it's just a tap and it saves us a ton of money. So I don't see any reason cable would grow in any way and we keep seeing this decline no, no it's, it's it's very much to be expected there were some interesting uh comments from um the chief executive of of sky uh, john john fallot um and one of the things that he was he was pointing to was uh news media such such as uh the new zealand herald and you know other uh, media outlets that you know traditionally were print and are very much online based now um their ability to take uh basically as as soon as they've been broadcast um but under the uh, the copyright act they're allowed to take snippets of that video for inclusion in a news story so there's maybe been a big uh, boxing match which people have had to pay per view for and then moments later uh, these news media have captured the highlight and put it out on their website and surrounded it with advertising if you haven't already seen it on twitter uh, if you, yeah, if you haven't already, seen, and yeah, and the other, his other point was that they are they are losing. Um, well, they're you know they're they're, they're um, yeah they're they're increasingly concerned with the impact of uh, of piracy and their ability to control that. I mean, you know, for me, the the piracy side of it. Uh, yeah, that's that's been around for a you know, very very long time. Uh, you know, videotapes back in the day, people used to tape uh, you know, mo- movies off uh, off off TV. Um, yeah, go, going back decades. So uh, certainly that that side's easier. But I you know I think the way that you address that is by offering uh, you know a good product at a good price. Somewhat hard for them to do, though, in terms of disrupting themselves and uh, and flipping their business model, uh, because they still made over um, over a hundred. Uh, what were their numbers? Um, uh, hundred. Over, uh, just trying to find it here. Um, I've lost it, but it's over a uh, hundred and sixteen uh, million. Uh, down from 147 million uh, the previous year, so there's still uh, you know, a reasonable chunk of money to be made. Well, uh, they'll, they'll probably ride it out like the traditional phone companies. You know, people don't need landline phones the way they used to, but the landline phone companies are still out there. You know, businesses are a, definitely a bigger customer segment now than houses. You know, and I think you know, in the TV space, another factor that companies in, in this industry are going to have to start thinking about is you know like older millennials like me you know, i had the cable to cut but younger millennials and the new you know generation z college kids they're going to be cable nevers they're not going to be cable cutters so for them it's always been a digital first and internet first entertainment world and it will continue to be that way so unless the you know the cable channels like in the u.s a lot of the channels have broken off and are doing their own thing like disney recently announced it's ending its agreement with netflix so um say goodbye to star wars and all those uh disney movies on netflix but they're building their own you know it'll yeah, be a subscription yeah. model uh, uh, channels that aren't going to be getting the revenue from the big cable and satellite companies that's the only option they're going to have left if they want to stay 
you know, a subscription-based content provider. And, and ultimately, we may end up spending the same or more to get what we what we want but of course you can turn these things on and off so you know depending on what your habits are you might you know you might pay a subscription so that you can watch um you know the the latest game of thrones whatever it it is you can watch that and then you might turn turn that off uh you know turn these these things on and off at at will uh but you don't have to have that big fixed commitment and yeah, you can avoid uh, avoid the advertising, which um, yeah, through some of these pay models, you're you're paying money and then uh, and then seeing the advertising. Do you use Hulu Plus at all? Actually, that is why I cut Hulu. When I cut my cable, I had both Netflix and Hulu, and I was so frustrated. And this was I had a Roku. The, the, mm, this was mm. the very beginning of Roku's yeah, yeah. and you know uh, internet devices for your TV, and I. The shows I really wanted to watch were all from the same TV network, and they had it blocked so I could only watch their shows on Hulu on my laptop. I couldn't do it through the Roku. Wow. So I said, well, not only can I not watch the shows I want on my TV in bed, the shows I can watch, I have to pay to watch commercials, whereas I hit the other button on my Roku remote to pop up Netflix, and there's no commercials, and it's everything on demand. So Yeah, I mean, well, what I found yeah. was you can you can now pay extra on hulu and and i'd like to see this across any channel where there's where there's advertising and the content uh you can pay extra to remove the ads and it's only a a little bit more to turn uh the advertising off now you've got to jump through some hoops to get hulu outside of the the u.s um but yeah with the getting getting rid of ads is definitely uh high up my priority with uh with content and and hence why yeah the likes of netflix is yeah. uh is is pretty good although yeah i think we might have seen one or two scenarios where netflix is sort of promoting some upcoming content at the at the front of things no but it's usually it's never been you know interrupting the middle of the show that i'm watching no. and putting a three to four minute spot right in the middle like in in the podcasting world you know, it's an easy place to compare because there's advertising in a lot of shows i'm a big gimlet fan so yeah. i know all about all of their advertisers um but the way they do it you know, a minute in the middle of a 45 minute show doesn't really offend me or bother me that much okay well we'll <laughs> jump to an ad break now uh this is our bit no we won't um that'll come up later on in the in the show yeah, but um, that doesn't bother me especially yeah. when i know it's an independent podcaster it's, well it's that's different. what yeah and that's what what pays for it but it, it's not as a as obtrusive either is it right uh, now, another, just a quick uh, local story, someone we, ch- we chatted to uh, a couple of years ago on the New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, Mark Petrie, who is the founder of um, uh, and CEO at uh, Snap Internet. Uh, the NBR are carrying a story there uh, about him uh, having sold, um, you know, sold to two degrees that was two years ago uh, for 28 million and that he has now exited and it's got a few other bits and pieces about what's going on for him and uh, that he's got his new tesla uh, due to be delivered soon so um yes that's uh, that's what tends to happen with these things when uh, when when people uh, sell out and uh, and do well and no longer have control they will uh, eventually move on once the uh uh, once the hand, golden handcuffs are <laughs> taken off, right? Well, if I had the a twenty-eight million dollar windfall, I think I'd probably go McLaren instead of a Tesla. But I, I like the spirit of where he went. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I can I can attest to both of them being a lot of fun. Um, the McLaren is definitely um, is more exciting from a, from a noise perspective. But interestingly, the uh, you know the Tesla actually accelerates faster. Oh yeah, well, there's uh, the torque ratios are very different in electric than gas-powered cars. But there's yes. something just so beautiful about that McLaren. It's, it's been a long-time love of mine. <laughs> Fair enough, too. Um, now, um, DreamHost, who actually been um, a provider for uh, for the New Zealand Tech Podcast um, over the over the years, and uh, I think currently they um, they host our our audio. Um, they've and you were mentioning before they're actually quite close to where we're sitting um, in yes. Los Angeles right now. We're uh, th- 
in Southern California, we talk about distance and time, not in miles, because it depends what time of day you're going. It's right. a funny thing. So you know, how far they are depends on what time of day. So you know, with traffic, you know, an hour, half hour from where we're sitting, it's, yeah, uh, it's okay, pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so they've been um, fighting the Department of uh, Justice, who have requested 1.3 million IP addresses of visitors to an anti-Trump protest site. Now, this is is kind of curious to me that um, you know, law enforcement would be able to go in and um, scoop up such a large... Um, such a large you know, amount of data. Um, this website in in question, uh, disruptj20.org, um, did organise participants of um, political protests against the uh, the current um, administration. And I guess we, you know, you get into a case where some illegal activity has um, has taken place. Um, you can, to a degree, you can understand um, yeah, law enforcement wanting to collect data, but um, to me, this it, it just seems a little bit um, a little bit over the the top to you know collect this huge amount of uh, data, and and I wonder to what end? Do you do you have any insights on this? I mean, do you think that they were doing something illegal through the website? It's it's a very gray line to walk with privacy rules in this country and we have um you know it's hotly debated still and it often goes to the courts uh, privacy rules with the internet and a lot of internet laws are changing right now with with the trump administration and and his appointees but you know looking at something like this it just seems like an overreach it's such a large swath of personal information that there's no specific link of someone just saying, oh, they went to this website, therefore they're a criminal. You know, that's like saying you know, everybody who's picked up a copy of the anarchist cookbook is a terrorist or something. And that's not true. Yeah, well, I mean, and I, and I picked up a, um, uh, a hacker's magazine when I, when I came across a, um, a hacking conference in, uh, in New York um, one, one year. And... Uh, when I had a look at it later, when I got back to New Zealand, I, I realised that might not have, uh, you know, when I looked at some of the content and so on, I realised that might not have been a wise thing to actually be carrying across uh, across borders. Uh, let's uh, take this on a plane and in, see in print. But um, but I, you know, I got a, I got away with it. So you, you you do have to be careful. But I, I don't imagine anybody visiting this website would have, uh, you know, considered that the Department of Justice would be wanting to know exactly who they were yeah, uh, afterwards. I mean, w- after they've collected those IP addresses, you know, I guess, f- you know, from there they can go to ISPs and uh, and, and try and, uh, you know, track down who they were. But, I mean, 1.3 million IP addresses, that's uh, that's a lot of uh, uh, visitors of, of, of all kinds. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know, it all sounds quite police state to me to be... Uh, having to hand that over. Yeah, with Big Brother is watching a lot of ways already. I don't think we need to give them more access and more avenues to do that necessarily. And, you know, with the government, you know, the NSA, they have, if they really wanted, they probably already have the ability to figure out who's visited those websites and they could use big data systems to cross-track it with who had you know, airline tickets to Charlottesville because that's what kicked a lot of this, this talk off is the, is the protest there. You know, when there's violence and death, uh, it gets big in the news, so I'm sure the yep. administration thought they had to act. And mm-hmm. this is, they picked. It's funny to me they picked a web hosting company as the way to act and not the you know the organizations behind the violence yeah yeah well uh dreamhost have gone on to set up a crowd crowdfunding campaign um to help them um you know fight um this request um you know basically against the uh the trump uh, government so it's this will be yeah, interesting to see how it uh, progresses. Uh, now, I have mentioned this before. Those that are, are, are curious about DreamHost, if you go to nztechpodcast.com slash hosting, um, there's some details there about the affiliate arrangement that we have um, set up with DreamHost. 
and it's actually pretty good. Um, and the reason we we use them for hosting to start with um, was because they give unlimited data, which when you're wanting to host audio or video and those sorts of things is uh, is pretty handy. Now they've got some quite low cost hosting for just uh, you know very basic sites and so on. Not you know what I would um, you know generally recommend for uh, for businesses that are that have you know got a um, an important website to host but they've got some very low cost um, hosting and actually in the early years we did run a New Zealand Tech Podcast on that quite successfully uh, for yeah for quite a few years and that's sub ten dollars US um, a month uh, and then they've got some dedicated um, WordPress hosting which is is really really good and um, and and pretty robust um, so um, yeah, if, if anyone's interested, then have a have a look. Um, but it's good value, and you also get a discount for uh, for going through our affiliate link, which is kind of cool. Um, now on to market share information, and, and you know, I guess we're always getting through different stats about who's doing well in the market and, and what's happening. Uh, the latest to come through is that Xiao uh, Mei are doing very well in the Indian market, and um, Getting close to um, to toppling Samsung in that market for market share, um, which is pretty impressive um, results. Although you know, somewhat understandable in a market like India, where um, you know the the um, yeah, population is pretty price sensitive. Yeah, it's a very different consumer and marketing model to reach deep into India. But if 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 a Chinese company can figure out better than the Korean company, then this is what's going to happen. You know, Samsung has been long dominant in the Android space, but if they're not careful, uh, it, it doesn't take a whole lot to lose that. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking about a market there, which is, uh, you know, they've now got a population of about 1.3 billion. Uh, the stats that, that, that I've, you know, we've seen um, Tech in Asia uh, published was showing uh, Samsung at... Um, at 24%, uh, Xiaomi 17, uh, Vivo 13, uh, Oppo at 8%. Now, Oppo have actually just launched their uh, newest phone into the New Zealand market, uh, and I hope I'll get hands on with that when I get back into the country uh, next week. Um, it comes in about half the price of um, of the Galaxy S8 uh, Plus, but you know, in terms of com- compared with Samsung, though these other uh, Chinese brands definitely uh, pretty good bang for buck, I suppose. Uh, that said, Samsung does have quite a broad range of handsets, so they try and uh, they try and cover a lot of those other uh, spaces. Um, but where uh, where these other brands differentiate is on price. They do certainly do some uh, different features. The new uh, Oppo handset has, I think, dual 20 megapixel um, uh, cameras, uh, which is um, quite unique in the market. Um, and then sort of sitting below them, we see Lenovo with, uh, with, with 7%, which probably also covers the uh, uh, Motorola brand that they own, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. Um, so... Yeah, it will be curious to see whether uh, Xiaomi can continue their rise and um, actually um, get get past Samsung. I'm, I imagine Samsung will probably be quite aggressive in terms of their uh, their pricing and 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 other offerings to uh, to keep uh, market share. But they'll be they'll be balancing that against profitability, right? Yeah. Well, there's there's a big opportunity there. About a third of the cell phones in India right now aren't any of the brands we mentioned. So that's a place that, you know, even if Samsung maintains 24%, if that 31% of the market that's in everybody else bucket gets eaten away by some of these other competitors, 24% might not be the biggest. Mm, mm. Yes. Oh, well, interesting uh, Interesting times ahead. But what we may be seeing in, in markets like India um, is a bit of a taste of, uh, of what may be to come in other, in other markets. Um, but, I mean, we'll see how that progresses. I think Samsung are doing, uh, are doing pretty well uh, in a lot of areas at the moment. And, uh, of course, we've got the, uh, uh, the new Note about to, uh, about to, to launch, and we'll have... Um, uh, details of that uh, coming up on uh, on next week's episode. 
Um, I will have some information ahead of that um, um, that I'm not allowed to talk about. So, um, so we'll be holding holding that uh, that that back until the uh, the next episode. Although, do keep a watch on my uh, videos as I may be able to release some of that uh, that information. Um, now, in other news, a place where I was recently, Philippines, um, and I tried out uh, two providers there of. Um, Ride sharing. Uh, one is is Uber because they they've been there amongst uh, just about every other place in the world, and uh, and a and a regional player, uh, Grab, and uh, you know Uber seemed to uh, seem to be very very good there and very popular, uh, but they've just suspended their service in Philippines um, after the national regulator there uh, banned them uh, for. A month, and uh, yeah, it seems like um, yeah they've got a they've got a few dramas going on in that market. This is um, this has got to have quite a big impact, doesn't it? I mean, if you shut somebody down for a month like that, in some cases that would uh, that would put them out of business. Now, I don't think that's going to happen in uh, uh, in Uber's case, but you know. Just I'm just thinking through the sort of ramifications. All those who drive for Uber right now uh, will be, I, I imagine, working out how to get themselves signed up to Grab very quickly. I mean, it's, it's going to have a, a hugely positive impact, I would think, uh, on on their competition. Um, so yeah, some some pretty interesting um, things going going on, um, and and this relates back to. Um, uh, last month, when the uh, local regulator requested that Uber and um, and Grab stop allowing new drivers onto their um, services, um, so that the regulator could uh, basically catch up, they had a huge backlog of applications, um, and yeah, it seemed like um, Uber just uh, just yeah kept kept going and uh, ignored that from uh, uh, from the coverage that that I've read and you know, I guess it's it's fair to say Uber have been um, have been you know pretty relaxed about uh, about compliance in uh, in varying parts of the world. Oh, well, they've you know, I'd say they've pretty relaxed is a, is a bit of an understatement. Yeah, they've been <laughs> aggressively sticking it to the man yeah. as you'd say. And actually I I thought we might see some changes in this kind of behavior in a post-Travis world that they're living with, you know, with, with a, their CEO removed. Yeah. But... Well, he's still, still on the board, isn't he, for now? Uh, he's fighting to keep that seat. Yeah. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, not not yeah. if SoftBank has their way, maybe, or, or some of the other involved parties, but... Um, maybe he just needs to sell out. But it's, you know, they... It's funny because with Uber, we can see a real-life example of what happens when they totally get kicked out of or leave a market is what happened in Austin. Mm. Now they, um, the city, the people voted. They wanted safer drivers. They wanted more regulation around that. And Uber pretty much gave them the finger and said, we're out. And multiple new companies came in and filled that vacuum and were quite successful. The only time I really saw any blip that it wasn't working was during South by Southwest when you know, so many people show up in the city for just a few days that it was a little overwhelming to those newer well, services. And, and especially for visitors who don't have those those other apps, if, if they're not a, you know, if it's not a big player and of course here in the US you've got Lyft as well who are incredibly successful and have certainly grown in popularity with the... Um, the the many struggles that Uber have have had, but you know if you don't have one of those big players, then it can wreak havoc for uh, for those coming to visit. Mm-hmm. And in fact, last night arriving here in Los Angeles, uh, someone had put up on on Facebook that um, that Lyft and Uber were going to be protesting or something, and and that there might be issues with transport from uh, Los Angeles Airport to uh, to Anaheim. And yeah, there are a few people getting a little bit worried about what they were going to do. But the yellow taxis didn't turn off. When no, Uber exactly. On. We there always were always other up. options, right? <laughs> so, uh, well, for for now. So, uh, yeah, kind of curious um, what what the impact of this one will be. But I imagine there will be some sort of a long term impact, and the ongoing profitability of Uber, certainly in the Philippines. Yeah, could be um, could be impacted by this by um, you know a few 
few percentage points. It'd be it'd be it'd be fascinating to see their inside numbers after it. But with that number of of drivers drivers uh, leaving and people being forced to use uh, um, Grab as an alternative, I um, yeah, I imagine Grab will be pretty happy about it anyway. Um, now on to something that you've been spending a bit of time with, um, Android Eight. Um, Android Oreo, as it's uh, as it's now known, uh, it's got its uh, its full name. Has um, it's sort of sort of landed. Um, tell us about your experience using it because you've been um, using it over uh, over a good few months while it's uh, while it's been available for um, for beta testing. Yes, I signed up for one of the earlier release candidates and. It, it was all good in the beginning. Then there was some bug during one of the beta versions. That's the risk of putting it on your main phone. They say what, don't what do that, your, and I did. What is your but, main uh, um, smartphone? Yes, yeah, so I uh, use a Nexus 6P. So it was funny actually looking just a minute ago. We were looking at the top cell phone companies in India, and Huawei isn't on the list in any country, I don't think, <laughs> uh, the, the manufacturer of this phone. But overall, I love the phone. I think it's been great, and I love getting the newest version and newest features quickly mm. it's it's been great and you know especially as a techie like me i always want the the next pretty button to push or whatever that others don't have necessarily um, and there's some cool integrations some cool features uh it's after you use it for a few months it's easy to forget what's new um, but there are some cool features like uh if you long press some of the apps there's um, better contextual menus now to get straight in like if you long press the gmail icon on which there's a new icon set you know it looks a little different um but the functionality of being able to hold down gmail and just tap new message rather than click and open the app and click new message you know things like that are being um expanded across more apps you know of course the google suite of apps pretty much all have those contextual menus um but one thing that i've noticed that has been kind of a frustration to me and this has come and gone in a few versions of android there's i'm a chromecaster we have a chromecast i think i mentioned on every single tv in the house and when i go to turn the volume down on my phone if chromecast is on it turns down the volume on my tv not on my phone so I might be sitting there watching a show with my wife and my ringer will go off and I'll think, oh, I should turn the ringer down on my phone. I pick up my phone, push volume down and it mutes the TV. Yeah, like, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's not helpful. But I can yeah. see also the convenience of being able to control your TV volume from your phone. Yeah, so I, I like the ability to do that. What's been happening is they changed the default of what the volume button does. This is the first thing, turn your phone volume down, or is the first thing, turn the media volume down? So there was yeah. always a you know, drop-down arrow, so I could change the... Just like you can change like the media volume versus your ringer volume, a new line pops up when you're casting for yeah. whatever's on the TV. Sure. So the one that is the default for the button... Google, if you're listening, I prefer to have that turn my volume down on my phone, not on my TV. Uh, because what happens, the most common situation, we're watching bed at night. You know, we have the last stupid TV show on Netflix that we don't have to think about, the 22-minute comedies. And you know, there's something on. I'm like, oh, I'll turn my phone off. So if I fall asleep during the show, my ringer will be off and my vibrate will be off. But I push the button, it turns the TV down. Yeah, right. And they actually kind of buried the way that you would put it into do not disturb mode, which I that, love. That will do, do a similar thing for you, right? In terms right. Of stopping yeah. it. Yeah, so the and do so not disturb when I turn that on. There's actually multiple versions of it now. The one I like is no disruption until next alarm. Which I don't wake up with an alarm anymore. I'm, you know, self-employed freelancer. But uh, in the days that I do have an alarm set for something, I like to be able to turn that on. And you used to be able to do that by just holding the volume button down. Like you push it one more time after vibrate, it goes to do not disturb. But now with it just turning the volume off on my TV, I had to figure out another way to turn that on. So the uh, swipe down menus at the top, there's some shortcut buttons there in Android. And I found one that I could rearrange my grid up there to include do not disturb mode at the top. So that was my workaround. Oh, cool. So you've got a workaround. So um, that's a good good tip. I think you know, a few people might, uh, might appreciate that. That's good. Um, now, Eric video we talked about it you know, earlier in light of sky tv it is um you know a growing area um fortune have run a run a story saying that um 
Apple uh, reportedly allocate a billion dollars to original video content. So, wow! I mean, Apple are, um, are just you know going big time into the space. If this is uh, if this is true, um, Netflix I think are spending something like six billion dollars um, this year on uh, on creating original content. HBO spends about two billion. Uh, Amazon, their investment, I think, is in the direction of four and a half billion. So there's big money getting spent on this, and I've um, finally got round to watching um, Planet of the Apps the other day. Now this is the uh, this is the the Apple um, show, which has uh, basically yeah, app producers come and pitch to a panel have you uh, have you seen that at all i have not seen that one yet yeah so um so i, I streamed uh, streamed that um while i was in palo alto actually earlier earlier on in the week and um was it in, really fast because you were so in, close to the in hub the, in the territory so uh um yeah no it was uh, it was interesting i didn't want i didn't watch the whole thing admittedly but i thought i'd better keep up with uh um, with what what they're doing, and of course they've got the uh, carpool uh, karaoke uh, coming through as well. Now these are um, um, are being hosted, I think, um, by Apple Music, which is uh, is quite is quite interesting. So they haven't, you know, formally launched a kind of a um, any sort of a Netflix, you know, competitor in a in a traditional. Um, sense, but yeah, it uh, it does look uh, does look uh, pretty cool. Um, I should point out uh, for our listeners that it uh, is actually um, it features some some big uh, big names on the panel. Um, Gary uh, Gary V or Gary Vaynerchuk, uh, who's uh, who's pretty well known in the um, Entrepreneurial and social media uh, type space. Uh, Will I am uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Jessica Alba, um, but the the big um, the big star in it for uh, for Kiwis um, is Zane Lowe, who um, who is um, a Kiwi ex BBC um, and now um, hosting this new uh, Planet of the Apps. So I th- it was I, I hadn't realised that until I actually uh, started watching it. And it's like, oh, there's Zane Lowe, and you know, always sort of him um, in in that sort of radio context. I hadn't seen a, a lot of him on uh, on video, but uh, you know, there he, there he was uh, hosting and uh, and doing a good job of it. Yeah, it's so. interesting. Uh, you know, a billion dollars to you and me seems like a lot of money. We have to remember in the context of Apple and Amazon, Netflix, not quite as much, but these companies are sitting on so many billions of dollars of cash. For them, it's just a drop in the bucket, and it's hardly a you know commitment to really go head-to-head with Netflix, with what they're spending. But at the same time, a billion dollars can buy you a bunch of really cool TV shows. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, you know, it's this thing I guess we were talking about earlier where... Yeah, the future could be quite different for us from a consumption perspective because we want this bit of content and that bit of content, and depending on how you have to get at them, you know how you how you pay for access. Um, yeah, it could it could make it you know, reasonably complicated. I mean, I don't think we're going to have um, yeah hundreds of providers with their own uh, exclusive content, but um, there could be a reasonable uh, a reasonable chunk of them. So uh, yeah. It's killing the water cooler discussion the day after the big primetime show. You know, I remember in, in the days of Lost, I'd go chat with my coworkers after the big episode. But now, well, I work at home, so I don't have coworkers like I used to. But also, I, you know, I watch shows on my own schedule because I choose to watch them. And it doesn't matter if it's new because it's new to me. Yeah. So it's yeah. a whole different landscape of how we you know, even revolve around the content we watch and how it impacts our day to day. Yep. Now, um, listeners, or some of our listeners will uh, will know uh, because they follow me on Facebook. They will be seeing the uh, the videos that I put out uh, each week. My uh, uh, three minute or so sort of takes on uh, on varying topics, some of which we cover here on uh, on the New Zealand Tech Podcast as well. Uh, sometimes they're uh, they're unrelated uh, to what we talk about on the podcast. But I've been putting uh, putting those videos up now for uh, um, a good couple of months or or, or so. Um, 
and I've been curious about, well, how would I share these videos in a nice manner with those that I'm connected to on LinkedIn? And, of course, you know, you can share any content you like, uh, but there was no uh, video sort of playback element, um, you know, really built in in the same way as what uh, what Facebook has, for instance, and, and what Twitter has well. That's just changed. Uh, LinkedIn have um, you know finished up their, uh, I guess, sort of beta testing and now um, formally added video um, support to LinkedIn, which you know I think will um, be be interesting to see how that helps transform uh, LinkedIn maybe into a network that people are a little bit more active on. Uh, I can imagine people being a little bit more comfortable without using LinkedIn during work hours if there's going to be good content that educates them in what they do and will help them um, to to you know do do better at what they do uh, and of course LinkedIn owned uh, Linda as well which is a uh, um, yeah these days a, a subscription uh, learning network and um, that that's uh, you know hadn't had a look at it and t- again um, it had been a while since I'd looked at it until recently uh, and that's something that seems to be coming along as a as a platform as well so uh, yeah Microsoft really um, getting um, getting a big big focus here on uh, on video fun Linda is actually another local company they're headquartered about 20 minutes from where I live about three hours up the road yeah yeah well actually I was just talking uh, earlier on the week I did um, I had a catch up with um, Jonathan uh, Reichenthal, uh who who was on um, on the, on the podcast recently who's the CIO at um, the city of Palo Alto and uh, yeah, we were catching up, and uh, yeah, he was telling me about the time he had spent in uh, here in Los Angeles, actually, uh, f- you know, filming with them because he's been pr- producing some content for uh, uh, for Linda. Um, also, talking of Palo Alto, I met with um, uh, David Hughes, who's a, uh, a New Zealand um, um, New Zealander who is the CEO and and founder of a um, of a growing uh, networking company, Silver Peak. Uh, also, um, while I was in uh, Palo Alto, so that one will be coming up on the New Zealand uh, Business Podcast um, sometime fairly soon. So uh, keep a watch out for that one. It's pretty interesting hearing uh, hearing his story and uh, that business is, is is growing quite well now. He's got uh, two hundred and fifty uh, staff on on his team. And uh, their uh, uh, their growth rate seems to have really ramped up over the last uh, over the last uh, twelve months with their um, uh, SD uh, WAN or software defined uh, WAN offerings. So, just a little heads up on that one. Um, do you produce much in the way of video? Does this um you know, side of LinkedIn interest you? I mean, certainly for me, uh, I'll be dropping my videos. Um, uh, up there, and you know, in fact, people are certainly welcome to um, to follow me or or, um, or connect on on LinkedIn uh, if they're interested in those videos, and maybe not so interested in Facebook. But what about you? Yes, I have not found a ton of success on LinkedIn just with what my brand's about, which is actually a little bit of a surprise, being that I write a lot about things that relate to people's career and money, things that you would think about when you're on LinkedIn. But I think that's a testament to how people use LinkedIn compared to some of the other social networks. You know, when people go to, when I go to LinkedIn, I'm doing it because I want to do some kind of networking usually related to something professional in that side of my life. And when I go to Facebook, it's more for the fun and the learning and the playing. And I think that's why video is so natural there. It's, and has done so well. And obviously it doesn't hurt that Facebook's algorithms push video up in front of most other things these days. But I think it's a good opportunity, especially for some of the older crowd that isn't on Facebook. They don't care about that. My dad comes to mind. He's active on LinkedIn for his career, but he doesn't have a Facebook account. So I think it's going to potentially offer a new audience to video content creators that weren't getting your video before. But I also don't know that people hang out on LinkedIn the same way as some of the other networks, but that might change with this. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's, um, you know, it is curious because they, they do have a, you know, obviously a very different focus to the other social networks. Um, I th- you know, I find certainly 
uh, you know, people operate on different social networks, and uh, you know, Twitter used to be the big one for uh, for me, and it's become you know, less so, just because I know so many more people and connected with so many more on on Facebook, uh, and um, yeah, even 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 LinkedIn um, is a is a pretty easy one to um, you know, to use and keep connected with uh, with those that you know. Now, on to just one last uh, topic. Just before we started chatting, uh, your phone, in fact, my phone too, um, came up with an alert. So, you know, mine, I'm looking at my uh, phone, which is on a New Zealand uh, SIM card, but it came up with this, emergency alerts, um, and then it said Amber Alert, uh, Santa Monica, California, Amber Alert, alert Update. Uh, it's got a license plate of a vehicle, a black Jeep Cherokee SUV, and then uh, details of uh, of a missing um, missing person. So, tell me about how this how this works. How is um, how's law enforcement using these amber alerts to um, basically to hit out a really big audience with these cell broadcasts? Because uh, it's not not something that we've uh, we've seen in New Zealand but it, it seems like um, a few more crime issues here <laughs> oh, yeah, well especially in, in Los in, Angeles compared in, to some uh, other cities in, in certain parts of the US um, so tell us about the Amber Alert system and and particularly the the technological link up of it with um, with cell broadcasts yeah so it's a it's an interesting system in the history of it it's, it's a sad one it goes back to a kidnapping of a girl named Amber and when she was kidnapped, they didn't have any real system to get the word out aside from, let's call the police officers on the radio and say, look for this car. So what the Amber Alert system does, it's nationwide and it's driven by law enforcement and safety. So it's, it's controlled more from the government. It's not like you know, Verizon's totally controlling all of this, though the big phone companies are obviously an important player. Uh, because they've realized everyone has a phone in their pocket pretty much all the time. If they can blast out a message to a geographic area very quickly, they might be able to resolve something. Where, you know, every crime TV show, they say the first 24 hours is the most important. Uh, so the system, whenever there's a child abduction, which is usually, you know, a parent who doesn't have a legal right to pick the kid up from school went and picked them up. It's, some, it's not usually as uh, dramatic as the one we saw today, which was really to a more serious crime but what's really cool about the system you know aside from the downsides of what it's protecting is the law enforcement can target specific geographies based on cell phone towers so you you and i were probably hooked to the same tower even though i have a google fi you know u.s based sim card and you have a new zealand based sim card we're on the same tower so that tower can push out to every phone in this area and say here's who to look for and it has been a you know, it's such a cheap system to maintain you know, as far as the technology is concerned. It's, it's easy sending out a text message more or less, except it's because it's geography focused, you have that super targeted impact. Uh, it's actually this alert systems can be used for other things too. We've had uh, wildfires in California where alerts can be sent out or flash floods alerts can be sent out. So it's not only for Amber alerts, but I think it's a great system, and I was actually a little surprised that you hadn't heard of it. It makes sense. Well, you don't I'd, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't. Um, I hadn't realized how it. You know, I, I think I was aware of. Um, yeah, broadcasts on TV, uh, maybe across the radio as well, but I hadn't realized that it actually did this um, sort of cell broadcast as well. Um, interesting. That alert came up on my iPhone. I'm having a look on my. Uh, um, Android on my um I'm just carrying my S8 with me at the moment uh, as far as an Android because um, I didn't want to carry too uh, too many phones with me here um and I didn't actually I didn't actually see it come up which is is kind of curious because the um the iPhone oh actually now oh I'm trying to remember which way around I've got my sims I've forgotten which uh which sim is which but i think i think that the iphone is running my new zealand sim and my android is running the us sim um so now i'm 
confused why it hasn't come up on that one. I'll I'll have to have a look, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Um, both of them are showing up on AT and T network at the at the moment, so that's not helped. Whereas if uh, you know the um, the one with the New Zealand sim had uh, had roamed across to another another network, that would make it very clear. But I'm pretty sure I've got that right. What was um, what was interesting, and what you know, normally I'm sitting at home if something like this comes up, or I'm driving on the highway when I get an alert. Yeah, we were sitting in a, in a room in a hotel with a lot of people, and everybody's phones went off at the same time and made the same emergency alert sound. We could hear them from the staff in the kitchen; they were popping up all over. There were buzzers all over. Uh, were there? It all happens all at once. And, yeah. and my wife, she, um, she like the sound like makes her cringe. And I actually changed my uh, ringtone recently on my phone, my notification sound, right to the old. Star Trek Voyager uh, computer alert sound, and it's kind of similar to the uh, to the alert sound on the phone. Yeah. So every time I get a text now, she's a little upset with me. She thinks something's wrong, but at the end of the day, no, it's it's um, it's a great system. And it was what was really cool. Is, you know, I typed something into Google like three minutes later, and at the very top of Google, it said you know, Amber Alert with those same details. And about four minutes later, the TVs in the background near us it popped up on the news. So yeah. we actually got it on the phones before anywhere else yeah well in in new zealand this is the uh the the technology um for um now i'm forgetting whether it's actually whether they've actually rolled rolled it out yet or or not but certainly the technology that they were uh developing for warnings about you know tsunamis and uh, you know natural disaster type situations so yeah, uh, and that's you know I, uh, I live far enough from the ocean that i'm not in the tsunami zone but my my mother and father in law live right off the beach, and I I'm, hope they would get an alert like that yeah, if there was a yeah. tsunami pretty, on the way. Uh, pretty helpful. That's great. Hey, well, Eric uh, Rosenberg, thank you very much for joining me on the New Zealand Tech Podcast this week. Uh, great to have your opinions and insights. Now, where where do people track you down uh, if they're interested in connecting? Is it Twitter? Or is it what's the what's the best place to uh, to reach you? Sure. If you want to just send me a quick note, Twitter is easy. I'm Eric Profits on Twitter, or you can go to Personal Profits profitability.com there's a contact form there so you can always shoot me an email i also have the personal profitability podcast if you're into the whole podcasting thing i'm guessing you are because we're in your earbuds right now um so the personal profitability podcast is a personal finance and entrepreneurship related show so if that's up your alley i'd love to to chat with you Excellent. That's great. Well, thanks, uh, thanks, Eric. Um, for those that were interested in uh, DreamHost, if you're interested in um, predominantly WordPress uh, hosting, then uh, nztechpodcast.com uh, there for uh, for details of that. Sorry, nztechpodcast.com slash hosting. Uh, and we've got some details there and, uh, and a link out to uh, DreamHost. If you would like to catch my videos, well... I would suggest if you're not already following me on Facebook and you're maybe not active on Facebook, um, then I'd be more than happy to connect on uh, on LinkedIn. Always good if you include a, a note if you're connecting up with me there, or you can um, just be um, you can just follow. I think which is, is probably a little bit more anonymous as well on LinkedIn. And I'm going to be having a go, and I will report back if there are any dramas with this. Uh, but I'll be having a go later on today um, at loading up a uh, a video or two onto uh, onto LinkedIn. All right, thanks everyone for listening in and uh, we will catch you again next week when I will be back in New Zealand. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.